0: Welcome to Voice of the Church. My name is Pastor Greg Bilsman. I serve the Living Water Reform Church of Bramford, Ontario, Canada. I'm glad to be with you for the month of July, and as we work through our talks this week, I want to begin by giving special thanks and recognition to the work, scholarship, and writing of Pastor Erwin Lutzer, whose recent book, We Will Not Be Silenced, has been used as an inspiration for our talks. As we take time to study God's Word together, I'd encourage you to take a read of that book yourself and continue to grow in God's Word through all the various means that are before us. Now, as we study today, we're going to be looking first at a, a brief portion of a parable in Matthew 13. A parable is simply a description that Jesus gives, a story that Jesus tells to describe what the kingdom of God is like. And in Matthew 13, is one of the most famous parables, the parable of what is called the sower. In this parable, Jesus speaks of a man who is sowing seed. Now today's farmers will take their tractors and their long planters and they'll go through the field and plant 30 or 40 feet of rows of seed at the same time. But in olden days, the farmers would simply reach into a bag of seed and scatter it by hand across the field. In this story of the sower, the man scatters his seed and it falls on four different types of soil. Hard-packed path where the man is walking. Soil that is shallow and filled with rocks. Soil that has all kinds of thorns and weeds in it, and soil that is good. We're just going to focus upon one of these soil types to start for our introduction. And that soil type is the, the, the seed that falls into the soil filled with thorns and weeds. That seed begins to grow, but because of all the weeds and thorns that are around it, it can't grow very much, and soon the little plant withers and dies. When Jesus explains what the parable means, he says this in Matthew thirteen twenty-two: He who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. One of the great challenges we have in times when there is great upheaval times when the news is filled with new headlines all the time, is that the cares of the world or the deceitfulness of riches can choke out the Word of God and cause us to lose our faith, cause us to lose our trust and confidence in God and His truth. And today, as we continue our study of understanding what it means to stand in today's world, we want to see not only that it means that we know what it is to seek the Lord in prayer, in worship, to depend upon Him, not only that, this dependence is played out through obedience to His Word and holding fast to the whole of Scripture, knowing that all of Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We also want to see how, as we do this, we need to maintain that spiritual fervency that comes from a heart that loves the Lord, that loves Jesus. And to study that, we're going to be reading a letter Jesus Himself wrote to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. In that chapter, the Lord says these words, "'The angel of the church of Ephesus write, "'These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, "'who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. "'I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. "'And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, "'and have found them liars. "'And you have persevered and have patience "'and have labored for my name's sake "'and have not become weary.'" Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly, and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. While the letter goes on for a couple more verses, we're going to stop there and just focus upon this teaching that Jesus gives to the church of Ephesus. As he writes to this church, beloved Lord, I want you to notice how much he loves the church how kindly he speaks of her he begins with praises for her and the praises he gives to her are a little bit of a challenge we'll have before us today for the praises he gives to this church show that this church is at least in some ways a faithful church a strong church i know your works he says in verse 2 your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil what a beautiful thing To see a church that is persevering in today's day. To see them working hard for the Lord. To see them being patient as they go through various trials and not giving up. This is the kind of thing we'd want for every church, isn't it? They cannot bear those who are evil. In Acts 20, Paul called the Ephesian elders to be on guard. Because after his departure, savage wolves would come in, not sparing the flock. The church of Ephesus was on guard. They were able to discern between true and false teaching. They held to the word of God. And therefore, they pushed off, as we read in verse 2, those who said they were apostles and were not. They tested them and found them to be liars. This church holds the theological and biblical truth. This church works hard, and perhaps the most remarkable words come in verse 3, when Jesus says, And you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake. For my name's sake, all this they have done for the cause of Christ. They have done for Jesus. This sounds like an amazing church. And As we think about what it means to stand for the Lord and live for the glory of God in today's world, to see the enemies that are around us and not lose hope, surely these things would all be important to persevere, to keep trusting in the Lord, to to find ourselves discerning and holding to the word of God so we push out false teachers, we don't let them have dominion over us, and we do everything for the cause of Christ. Surely that would capture everything we need. But it doesn't. It doesn't. To the contrary, Jesus goes on in verse 4 and says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Are the words Jesus spoke concerning the seed sown among the thorns. He said, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Do you know that one of the great dangers of living in a time of increased struggle and opposition and hardship is that even for well-meaning Christians, who are striving to do everything for the glory of God, who are working hard, who are discerning, trying to hold fast the whole counsel of God and his word, that even these well-meaning believers can still miss the heart. They can lose their first love. Paul the Apostle knew what this was like. In 1 Corinthians 13, one of the greatest chapters on love in the Bible, he said these words, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, i become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Think of this in terms of a a marriage relationship today. Imagine a marriage relationship where... The husband takes care of the wife in remarkable ways. He helps her out for things around the home. He works hard to, to buy her the best of items that she might like and desire. She, he tries to take the load off her and gives her a massage. If she comes home from work tired, He he serves her with everything he has, but he doesn't love her. He actually never expresses that love, never speaks of it, never just praises her just because of who she is. Would the wife be happy? After all, she wanted a husband, not a servant. The same is true of Christ. As we think about this world and what it means to stand faithful in this world, beloved Christ isn't looking for servants. In fact, he calls himself the bridegroom, and he calls the church his bride. And we are called to love this Lord as he loves us with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. The truth is that loss of love for Christ is one of the signs of great decay in the church. And it's so great a sin that it outweighs everything else that has brought commendation to the church of Ephesus. The loss of love for Christ means that all our diligence theologically, all our, our perseverance in, in good works, is all laid bare. Because if we've never loved the Lord, if our, it's not being done out of love for Jesus Christ, then we've simply missed the gospel. As Jesus said about the woman who came in and and wiped his feet with her hair and her tears and anointed his feet with her oil. When Simon the Pharisee said in his heart, if this man were a prophet, Luke 7, he would know what sort of woman this is and who it is who's touching him. And Jesus gives the parable. Two men, both had debts. One owed 50, one owed 500. Both were forgiven. Which of the men would love more? And Simon the Pharisee says, I guess the one who has been forgiven more. And Jesus says, you are right. This woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. You see, if we don't have that love for Jesus Christ, then we've missed the heart of the gospel. That it comes from grace, it comes from a sacrifice from God of his Son, that he loves us freely, unconditionally, because of his goodness, not because of ours. One of the great dangers in our day today is not merely that there'll be enemies on the outside, not merely that we'll lose the foundation of the truth of God as we strive to live in the Western world. One of the great dangers is that the church, caught up in the battle in the wrong way, might become very good at doing all the externals and lose the heart of love for Christ. How do we get it back? How do we make sure we we don't have that happen to us? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the first works. The first thing we're called to do is remember. I don't know if you've ever taken time to look through old photo books or look through old pictures on your phone. But when you've perhaps had great times in a summer vacation or perhaps... I want to remember your spouse in a special way. You might go back and look at old wedding photos or look at old vacation photos, and as you see them, it just stirs to mind all the joys you experience together. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, says Jesus. Remember the beauty of what the gospel was like when first you believed and you knew the sovereign goodness of God and the love he showed you in Christ. Remember what it felt like to know the weight of all your sin, to know the guilt of all you've done, and find out God loves you anyway. God loves you all the more because his heart is moved with compassion for hurting people. And you are overwhelmed. And all you can do is love Jesus in return. Remember. Remember. Then, says Jesus, repent. Repent. You see, somewhere along the line, you lost what it's all about. Like Martha and Mary. Mary who sat at the feet of her Savior. Martha who who was troubled because her sister wouldn't help her in serving. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, your heart is troubled by many things, but Mary has chosen what is best, and it won't be taken from her. Sometimes we can get so consumed with all the details and extras of life that we've we've lost the beauty of just dwelling in the presence of Almighty God. Repent when that happens, says the Lord. He knows the waywardness of our hearts. He knows how our minds can forget things. Come to him. Ask forgiveness of him. He is gracious with his own children. He loves to restore the fallen. When your heart grows cold, remember from where you have fallen and come back to Jesus. Repent. And then he says, do the first works. Do the first works and take care of the basics delighting in the things of the Lord, serving in, in ways, being moved with compassion as Jesus himself was, as the heart of Jesus is in us by his Spirit, to begin to serve in those basic ways where we love the Word of God, we love to help the hurting, we love to worship the Lord in church, go back to the basics, be restored in doing those glorious gifts of thanksgiving to God for all he's done for you in Christ, and watch as the love is rekindled before a holy God. You see, beloved in the Lord, as we come before Him and try to serve God in today's world, one of the dangers is that we would get our service confused with our worship. We get so focused on what we must do that we forget the heart out of which it must come. When that happens, go back to the Gospel. Go back to the Savior who loved you in your weakness. Repent of sins. And start anew in those basic building blocks of loving the Lord, serving Him with wholehearted devotion and doing those first works. May the Lord help us to be a people who knows what it is to love the Lord Jesus Christ.